Well, it's that time of year. It's back to school uh, time of year. And so uh, the kids, uh, generally when I say back to school, they kind of let out this collective moan. And the parents just bust out in spontaneous worship together, like, praise the Lord. And so it's that time of year. Our Luca had his first day on Thursday, uh, and then our other kids will go back in about a week and a half. Uh, and so it's just a, it's a cool time of year. We also have uh, next weekend is a big weekend in Boston. It's move-in weekend, September 1st. I think it's like 90% of the rental market moves on that day, and so it's just insanity in this city. But if you need anything, uh, just go out and you'll find it all over the sidewalks and you can just take it. And so it's a, it's a good time together. It just means a lot of energy in the church, uh, especially next week our college students will really start uh, coming in. And so let me just remind you as people uh, start checking out the church, college students and people who are moving in, people who are here for fellowships and residencies and things like that, always continue to be the friendliest church around. If you would, that would be great. I believe that you will. And so uh, September 8, what we're going to do as a church is we're going to have our fall kickoff together. And so it's going to be a fun time. We're going to kick off a new series. We're going to have uh, pancakes for everybody. And so we're going to feed, especially our college students, because we know they probably haven't eaten. And then we'll feed you guys as well. So we'll do a pancake brunch afterwards outside with skillets, and we'll have all the fixings and stuff. It'll be a really, really good time together. And yeah, we'll kick off our new series uh, that week too. So bring a friend. That's a great week to bring a friend or family member uh, to church. We're going to start out this new series called Together for Boston. And what we're doing is we're going to be with a number of other churches across greater Boston. And together we're going to have this joint sermon series. We're all kind of preaching through a lot of the same stuff and just locking arms uh, together. So we're really excited for that. Don't miss it. Three weeks together uh, for Boston. And so bring your people. Back to school, awesome time of year. Anybody been running around, parents, and grabbing back to school supplies? I've been doing that. The notebooks, the pens, the pencils, uh, the, the paper, the backpacks. And now that my daughter is uh, going into third grade, uh, we bought uh, multiplication flashcards. These are big, right? Uh, She's going into the big leagues. It's not uh, addition anymore. It is officially multiplication. I thought I would quiz you guys if I can. Can we just, can we quiz each other? Uh, Let's see how smart you are. You ready? First one is, go. Oh, wow, impressive. Wow, somebody's zealous. Oh, 54. Gosh, she went leave her alone. 27. All right, I'll give, you, I'll give you three more. Somebody needs to redeem herself. All right, yep. And, oh, the 12s are tough, guys. The 12s are tough. Oh, that's not 12. This is a 12. There you go. Somebody at 108. She goes to Boston Latin. Give it to her. All right, and then one more. All right, good, good work. Hey, give yourselves a hand. Good job. Awesome. All right, so we're refreshed, back to school, right? And uh, here's what we're doing. Today, now that your, your brains are there, today we're thinking about multiplication. It's a very powerful principle. It's a biblical principle there at the very beginning of humanity. In fact, the very first chapter of the Bible, if you want to flip on over there, uh, Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 28. Here's what we read, the very first chapter of the Bible, Genesis 1, 28. It says, and God blessed them, that is the very first people, Adam and Eve and all of humanity. He blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and, give me that word, multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so God creates Adam and Eve. He blesses them. So very, very first thing we need to see is that he blesses them. He gives them his blessing. And then out of the blessing, he commands them 
to multiply, to fill up the earth, and to subdue it, which means to bring it under control, to have dominion, which means to lead well. And I'm here to report to you that it has worked. The earth has officially filled up. As of August 2019, the global population is 7.7 billion people. How did it happen? Eve being an amazing woman and single-handedly had 7.7 billion children? No, that's addition. It happened through what we're talking about today, multiplication. Adam and Eve had children who had children who had children, and it compounded very, very fast. And what we need to see, first of all, is the connection between multiplication and blessing. Genesis chapter 1, 28, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Even before that, Genesis chapter 1, verse 22, to the birds and to the sea creatures, and God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply Fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And so he, he blesses them and then he commands them to multiply. The difference with the birds and the sea creatures than uh, the people in verse 28 command is to the people is that they must subdue, they must lead, they must exercise dominion. But what is the same is that God's blessing is tied with multiplication. God's blessing is tied with multiplication. Here's the bottom line for this morning. God's blessing comes with the expectation of multiplication. God's blessing comes with an expectation for multiplication. What God blesses, he wants multiplied. The principle continues on throughout the scriptures as we keep reading Genesis chapter 12, uh, 2 and 3. God makes this covenant with a guy named Abram. And here's what he says. He says, and I will make of you a great nation and I will, listen, bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and in him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Did you see it? God's blessing on Abram. He changes his name to Abraham. And then all the families of the entire earth. This blessing will be multiplied out from Abram through Jesus to the entire world. God's blessing is to be multiplied. Anybody in here uh, willing to admit that you're blessed? We live in a, an amazing country. We're blessed. We are, are blessed with prosperity. We are blessed with health. We are blessed more than anything else on the planet. We are blessed with salvation. That is a relationship with Jesus. And so it must not stop with us. It must be passed on and it must be shared. Additionally, it must be shared in a strategic kind of way so that the blessing that we receive is not limited to the people that we directly, personally touch. That is why we're talking about multiplication and not addition. Multiplication is the big leagues, right? Spiritual addition is, is really this. It's when someone is, it's a good thing, they're, they're eager to share what God has done in their hearts, in their lives, how God has blessed them. And so they share Christ with people. They share his love. They share his message with other people. But what makes it spiritual addition is that they don't disciple others. They don't train others and give them what they need to pass it on. And they don't give them the expectation that you will pass it on. Spiritual multiplication, on the other hand, is when someone is eager, same thing, to share how God has loved them, the message of the gospel, the message of Jesus, to share Christ with people. And then they disciple them and they train them and they give them the expectation that what they receive, they must pass on. Now, here's where the rub is. And some of you maybe are even feeling it right now. 
The rub is when I say the word expectation. See, people don't like expectation. We don't like things to be expected of us. We don't like to be committed to things. We just don't like expectation. But, but it starts with Jesus. Jesus expects us. He has blessed us, and he express, expects us to pass it on, to, to multiply. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, you, maybe you're familiar with this if you've been around church for a while. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and I'm with you always to the end of the age. His call is don't just make converts, people who follow Jesus. Don't just add one, raise up multipliers. But again, people don't like expectation. They don't like uh, this observe everything that I've commanded you. I've, I've commanded you not just to, to make disciples. I've commanded you to teach people to, to, to go and to, to multiply this thing. People don't like to commit to something like that. This is a whole life kind of thing. But let me show you this in the, in the ministry of Jesus. At the height of the ministry of Jesus on this earth, the followers of Jesus amounted to tens of thousands of people. At the end of the ministry of Jesus on this earth, 120 people remained in the upper room. Why was that? Why did so many people bail on him when it got tough? It's because he gave them an expectation that you were gonna live a life like me. It's gonna be tough. You will take up your cross and you will follow me. But guess what? It's okay. 120 people committed to spiritual multiplication is better than tens of thousands of people committed to just simply addition because multiplication compounds rapidly and that's exactly what happened. Wholehearted disciples are much more compelling than half-hearted disciples and that multiplication principle just explodes. Here's a quick survey of the book of Acts. I wanna do this for our time uh, now. I think this will be helpful for you. Uh, the book of Acts, the acts of the Holy Spirit of, of God uh, inside of his people, empowering his people after the resurrection of Jesus. So we start with 100 people uh, in the upper room in Jerusalem, Acts chapter 1, verse 15. We have 120 disciples. You move on to Acts chapter 2, verse 41 in Jerusalem, and it says, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So it goes from 120, and there are what, 3,000 souls? Added that day, 3,000 souls. Addition, Genesis, or Acts chapter 2, verse 47. Still in Jerusalem, the Lord added to their number day by day. Acts chapter 4, 4, Jerusalem. And the number of men came to about 5,000. So by addition, they are growing. The, the apostles, the disciples are, are sharing Jesus and people are being added. But it's still limited by addition to the people that those guys directly touch. Acts chapter 5, verse 14, Jerusalem still. And, and more than ever, believers were added to the Lord. And so up to this point, generation number one, just addition, just addition. But it is addition of what will be multipliers. These people have been given the expectation by the apostles that you will multiply yourself out. So here comes the power. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. The number of disciples was, give me that word, was multiplied. And now we start to see multiplication. And now it starts to compound. And now it starts to get really, really exciting. Acts chapter 6, verse 7. The word of God continued to increase in the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. 
Acts chapter 8, verse 4, in Jerusalem, those who were scattered, now they're scattered because of the persecution. They're scattered everywhere. And wherever they go, these multipliers are now set loose to preach the word, the message of Jesus. Acts chapter 8, verse 12. Now we're in Samaria. They, they were baptized both men and women. Okay, now here's where it gets scandalous, right? Because Samaritans, they're like those people, right? The, the Samaritans are like, uh, it's, it's kind of still close by, but it's kind of like the people in Connecticut who uh, cheer for the Yankees. Like, don't you know you're part of New England, right? Like those people, right? This, the Samaritans. And, and, and so they're added. And, and, and it says women too. This is not just a male patriarchal kind of movement. Men and women are added. Even the Samaritans, Acts chapter 8, 38, Ethiopia, the Ethiopian eunuch is baptized. And so now we've got, we've got another country going on. He's going to bring it as a multiplier back to, to Ethiopia. Acts chapter 9, verse 18, Damascus, Saul is baptized. Okay, so now it goes to the rough people. The, he was Osama bin Laden of his day, and he meets Jesus and is expected to, to multiply. Acts chapter 9, 31, this is Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. It says the, the churches were multiplied. If you read the grammar carefully, it's not just, this is huge, it's not just the disciples who are multiplied, actual whole churches now are being multiplied. 942 in Joppa, many believed in the Lord. Acts chapter 11, 21, now we're in Antioch in, in Syria. A great number believed and turned to the Lord. This is the greatest multiplying church of its day, of the early church, the church in Antioch. And, and many people there are coming to know the Lord and, and, and will be raised up as leaders in their church and then sent out. Meanwhile, back in Jerusalem, notice it doesn't stop. Oh, we've multiplied. Now Jerusalem just stops and focuses inward. No, they keep, they keep multiplying. And the word of God increased and what? And it multiplied. Acts 13, 49, Antioch and Syria again. The word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. I love this. I dream about greater Boston when I hear this verse. The whole region, not just West Boston and Parkway Boston, the whole Region, Acts chapter 14, 1. Now we're in Iconium. A great multitude, there's that word again, of both Jews and Greeks believed. Verse 21 in Derby, and made many disciples. 16, verse 5, Lystra. Again, the churches increased in number daily. So not just individual disciples, whole churches are, are, are increasing and planting other churches. Acts chapter 16, 15 in Philippi, Lydia and her whole household baptized also in Philippi. In verse 33, the jailer and his whole household baptized. And so we're seeing, yes, disciples are baptized. We're seeing church or disciples are multiplied. Churches are multiplied. And now even within families, of course, parents are multiplying it out with their children. And the church of Philippi is born, the healthiest church we read about in the New Testament. Acts chapter 17, verse 4. Now we're in Thessalonica. A great multitude of devout Greeks. Oh, now the Greeks get the gospel too. Verse 12 of 17 in Berea. Many of them therefore believed. Acts chapter 17, 34 in Athens. Boston is the Athens of America. It's the intellectual hub of America. Athens was the, the intellectual hub of its day. Some men joined him and believe. And so in the academic community, historically speaking, it seems to move a little slower. So don't be surprised when it moves a little slower in Boston, but catch it. This is multiplication. So we see this survey of how the gospel multiplies out in the book of Acts. We see this, this multiplication taking place 
everywhere. And within a generation where the global population was 300 million people, within a generation, Christianity itself was in the millions. Proportionate, that's incredible. If we fast forward quite a bit, 2001, there's a church planted called Heritage Bible Chapel. My family's a part of the, the starting of that church in Princeton, Mass. And many people in Central Mass came to believe. In 2010, they sent out a team of 11 multipliers to Boston to, to do it again, but this time in an urban context. And Charles River Church is born. In 2016, we sent out some of our folks, uh, one of our key families, very sacrificially, and it was tough for, for some of us, to, to send them up to the North Shore to replant First Baptist Church of Manchester-by-the-Sea as Cornerstone Church. And God is doing an amazing work there. The very next year, 2017, we sent out 10 of our people to help plant Christ Church in Charlestown. And they're doing really well with tremendous opportunities in front of them. And then today, we get the chance to send out another great team to plant Grace City Church in Fenway. How does it all happen? It all happened not because Jesus had tens of thousands, but because Jesus had 120 people who were multipliers and were going to multiply themselves out and then face great persecution because they were told, you're going to be like me. You're going to be like me. And they faced great persecution and it forced them to scatter outside of Jerusalem and bring the message of Jesus all over the region and then ultimately all over the globe. They knew the multiplication expectation and they embraced the expectation. So my question to us today is, do you know the expectation and will you embrace the expectation with an anticipation God, this is a privilege, and you're going to do something really powerful in my lifetime. This is disciples. This is multiplying churches. Really, let me just say this, because I believe that what we learn in here and the principles that we learn from Scripture apply well beyond just spiritual matters to all things, because everything really is spiritual. This multiplication principle applies to everything. We are to multiply everything. Now, let me be clear. We are to multiply everything that God blesses. So we are to multiply not unhealthy things. And so don't, don't multiply things that aren't healthy in your life, but multiply things that are healthy. In your home, you multiply yourself into your children, into a, another spiritual generation. In your workplace, you multiply, you build teams, you build systems that are sustainable. In our campus ministries, we, we know that we've got to multiply because within four years, if we don't multiply, it's going to be dead. Uh, in civic organizations, we're constantly uh, being called upon. Will you join this board or that board? They, they've, learned, they've learned you have to multiply yourself, right? You have to multiply yourself. With, with baseball teams that I've coached over the years, I know that, that there's only a couple of years until we age up into the next division, so I've got to raise up parents to, to carry the torch after me. With our reach teams, our reach teams have to multiply. We've got to multiply ourselves over and over and over again to, to spread the load and, and to, to have other people invited into what we're, we're doing. We have to multiply our connection groups so that we can saturate our region with, with little gospel centers that can bring the hope of Jesus to, to, to neighborhoods. We, we're going to multiply our, our church and continue to plant new churches until Jesus comes back, right? We multiply everything. Just so I know you got it, say it on the count of three. Multiply everything. You ready? One, two, three. Multiply everything that God blesses. We multiply everything. And so dream with me uh, for just a minute. I've been doing math all week. 
multiplication all week, and so my brain kind of hurts doing math. Uh, in fact, I was a religion major in college, and so uh, I had one math class, that was it, and then I literally threw myself a little party. Uh, I just hate math so much. But, but just think about the impact that our churches can make. And let me illustrate this, if I can, with mugs. And so um, I have people from time to time say, Josh, what is it with all these churches and their mugs? I don't know what it is. It's, you know, we're not going to give out shot glasses on Sunday to our new guests, so I figure we'll give out mugs instead. And so uh, we have a mug uh, for Boston, and so um, let this represent Charles River Church, right? We want to be a people who are so filled up that we just overflow, right? I'm not asking you to dump yourself out. That's not, we don't want you to dump yourself out. We just want you to come up under the funnel of, of God, let him fill you up, and then you just overflow, right? And so Charles River Church from day one said at year five, we're going to start planting churches. We've been saving our money, and, and year five, we got to the point where we were able to send out uh, the Ackerman family. Uh, the, the church, Cornerstone Church on the North Shore in Manchester by the Sea, they don't do mugs. Um, it's Manchester by the Sea. They're very classy, uh, in case you didn't know. They're, it's a very wealthy area. And so I said, for them, instead of doing a mug, we're going to do a fine china, right? I got this actually from our china cabinet in the house. So uh, Manchester by the Sea, we said, we'll plant them. Uh, the very next year, uh, back to the mug, uh, Christ Church, Charlestown, this is their mug right there. And then here we are uh, this year, and uh, we have Grace City. Now, you might notice that theirs is a cup. Uh, they're ministering to college students. So this is really great for ramen and um, water. Right, good, appropriate liquid for college students, I'm assuming. Um, and so we fill up, right? We come up under the funnel of God and his grace is to us. And then we overflow and churches are planted, right? But the expectation on each of these churches is that they will multiply themselves out. It took us nine years to plant three churches. Imagine if in another nine years, these three churches each plant three more churches. Imagine that, 18 years, all these churches. And imagine those churches then go on and, and, and plant three churches. I, I, was, I was trying so hard to do the math. This is so difficult. So we plant three churches nine years. Imagine nine years from now, they each plant three churches. That's, that's 13 churches now, now planted. Now imagine that those three churches plant churches. So now in 18 years, we've got 40 churches. That's amazing, right? And then I was like, wait a second. I didn't do that math right because that's assuming we plant our three and then we stop and they plant their three and they stop. But what if we plant our three and we continue to go every nine years, three churches, and they continue to go every nine years, three churches, and they continue to go. I have no idea what the math is on that. My brain hurts, but it's amazing. It's amazing. And so go back to where we ended our Proverbs series last week. Proverbs chapter six, look to the ant, slugger. We're just an ant, right? And let's be honest. We're a pretty vulnerable church. We don't have a building of our own. We're in a hot public school. I feel like an ant that we could just get stepped on at any moment, right? But look at the ant. What do they do? These ants are carrying multiples of their weight, and they're making a massive impact. And I was reading up on the ants. I didn't share this in my sermon last week, just for sermon prep. And there's places in the world where ants will, will spread out three miles wide, and they will just devastate fields and forests. It's crazy. Not that we're here to devastate, but can you, the, the, the amount of impact we as we lock arms and we multiply can make together is tremendous. It's just tremendous. 120 multipliers within a generation, within a generation, millions and millions of followers of Jesus. 
God, please that that would happen in our lifetime for this city. Not because Charles River is some great hero, not because Grace City is some great hero, but because together we are committed not to make a name for ourselves, but to lock arms together and to multiply ourselves out over and over and over again to allow ourselves to be filled up with the graces of Jesus and overflow again and again and again. And just imagine, just imagine what God would do. Question to all of us is what has God blessed you with? And what he has blessed you with, he expects you to multiply. You have people in your workplace who need Jesus. He has blessed you with the job, the career, with relationships, with family, with an apartment, with a neighborhood, with a group of friends. And he expects you to multiply it. He's entrusted you with a ministry. He expects you to multiply it over and over and over again. Don't run on empty. Stay up under the grace of God. Build in your relationship with Jesus and let it overflow until you multiply everything that he has blessed you with. Can I pray for us? Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful. We are so thankful for your scriptures that call us to live like this because it is daunting when we look at the world in front of us. It's daunting when we look at this city, but it is so encouraging when we think about the reality that this can be done with this, this thing called multiplication. And so God, help us to get our math straight and not just try to add one at a time, but, but raise up beneath us children who will change their schools and their, their neighborhoods and their college campuses and people who are disciples of Jesus who will multiply themselves out and churches who will multiply themselves out and ministry leaders who will multiply themselves out over and over and over again. And God, would you give us gray hair and the grace to be able to look back and see you have done an amazing work in our city at the end of our lifetime. God, thank you for using us. Help us to think the way Jesus thinks. We had tens of thousands of people and was willing to turn them away to have some key disciples invest his life in. So God, help us to have key disciples in our lives and to invest our lives well in them. God, when you do something amazing, we're going to be really careful not to take credit for ourselves, but to give you the glory for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.